Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with our chairman of the Republican Party, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District in New Mexico, Steve Pierce. And Steve, a very interesting set of two town halls done two completely different ways, in my opinion. One on broadcast television with former Vice President Joe Biden, and it almost sounded like he gave ABC the questions to ask him. And then another on a subscription service from NBC, CNBC, that you had to subscribe to, where the moderator kept interrupting President Trump. What were your thoughts? Well, it's exactly like you said. I've been in those meetings with media where they began to debate. And at one point, we had both myself and my opposition candidate in the room together. And I finally said, wait, am I debating you or him? I said, which way is it going to be? I said, I'm happy to do either way. And you get those sort of very biased things. But one of the things that I noticed most about that where they were crowing about that Biden got so much more viewership, that means he's running strong and that was supposed to discourage us all. And then, like you say, you had to subscribe to CNBC. And even then, my wife was pointing out, if you were scrolling through the menu of your channels, the Biden town hall was really put everywhere. And you couldn't figure out which one uh, that Trump was on. And still, Biden only outpulled him by about a million. So it's like 13 or 14 million to, to 13 million, something like that, just a million difference. And so if you think that Biden is somehow exciting his base right now, you just got another thought coming. So you had the Hunter Biden article in the New York Post. Trump tweeted that out and Twitter blocked him, blocked his whole account and said, you can't put that out. Since that point, they've come under such scrutiny and they got invited to come in and explain their position to the U.S. Senate. And so they reversed their position. But still, when you, you have a social media giant like that shutting off access to an entire news story that Hunter Biden absolutely was setting up meetings with the Chinese, with other nations, with his father and other important people in Washington. That in itself said that Joe Biden is not cleared. And when he talked about uh, his dad was taking 50% of everything, he was grumbling about that. That just talks about the corruption. People wonder, so what about corruption? Corruption leads to incompetence and incompetence eventually leads to a lack of hope. And that's where we are in many of the parts of this country. People feel like that they can't succeed because it's not what you know, but who you know. That comes from corruption. That was very interesting that you and I have talked about this for months about what Hunter Biden has done with Burisma. And now all of a sudden, finally, it's coming out. You and I have talked about it because there is actual video of Vice President Biden admitting a quid pro quo. Here is Hunter Biden being asked if he thought he benefited from his father being the vice president of the United States. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. And yet, you know darn well, if it was Donald Trump Jr., we'd be having another impeachment investigation, and rightfully so. The Democrat Party nationwide seems to be willing to accept that corruption just because they hate Donald Trump. I will tell you, you may not like Donald Trump, but he is getting things done that have needed to be done for a very long period of time. Listen, as we talk with Senate candidate Mark Ronchetti about what's going on with Amy Coney Barrett, because she is skyrocketing in popularity. She's gone up by eight or 10 points in just the last week as people watch her perform in those Senate hearings. So, Mark, uh, welcome to the program today. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I appreciate it. I enjoy it. Thanks very much. So as we're looking at the national stage right now, 
Amy Coney Barrett is tremendous breath of fresh air, brand new on the scene. I've watched some of those hearings, and the Democrats are making, I just say it to Casgrave, they're making fools of themselves. She has not got many things to criticize, and yet they're fabricating stuff. How would you be different than Ben Ray Lujan in these hearings if you were there right now, yeah. or if Ben Ray were there now? What would it look like to New Mexicans? Well, I think that what you've seen, especially when you look at what's happened with nominees recently, it's become so hyper-partisan that the choice has been made before the person's even named. So if that person is not from your party, you're done. You immediately, you don't look at the qualifications. And, and you know this going back 20, 25 years, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was approved 96 to 3 through the Senate. And she wasn't approved 96 to 3 through the Senate because 96 senators agreed with her judicial philosophy. What they agreed with was that she was qualified for the position. Now that is completely gone. And I think it's very clear that, you know, as we've had this whole debate, the president has a job to do. The Senate has a job to do, and they need to do that job, and they're doing that job. But I think when you start taking politics and you stuff it into the court, which is what's happening right now, I don't think it serves anybody well. She's eminently qualified. That is clear. And if you watched the confirmation hearings, it was very clear that she knows exactly what she's doing, and she's incredibly impressive. She really is. And so to me, I think what you have to look at in these situations is, is someone qualified for the job. And then you start breaking down where you go from there. But this is so political. And when we start talking about court packing, that's the scary part of this. And no one knows this better than you, Steve. And that is that if we end up losing the Senate here and you end up with a Democratic Senate, what they're saying now is they're going to get rid of the filibuster. And what that effectively says is you don't need 60 votes anymore to pass anything out of the Senate. And so really what that allowed for is some modicum of bipartisanship. Well, that goes away. And then you start saying, well, okay, what are we going to do next here? They want to pack the court with four more justices. So they don't like how things have gone through elective processes. So now they're going to politicize the court by stuffing in four new justices and then making them all far left justices. That is dangerous for this country. And even be on that. They've talked about adding senators. That would dilute New Mexico's stake in the Senate. And you don't just add senators because you want to push more of your own party in there. These are things that are absolutely dangerous for this country. And I think it's more than a step too far. It's two or three steps too far. So I don't support any of that. And I think it's critical that we keep the Senate the Senate in the respect that the 60 vote majority to get things through, 60 votes to make sure that there's some measure of bipartisanship. But there's no question my opponent has no interest in bipartisanship. He never has. Now, now, one of the things that I find most distasteful is that the Democrats are attacking Amy for her Catholic faith. Now, I'm telling people in the state, and we're just now running an ad across the state directed into Hispanic Democrat Catholic households, and we're saying if you're attacking one Catholic, you're attacking all Catholics, and if you're attacking anybody of any faith, then you're attacking people of all faiths. And so this is a very dangerous precedent. The Constitution does not call for the religious test, and yet Harris herself has been very critical of a judge candidate who was being confirmed last year or the year before, and she said his membership in the Knights of Columbus made him suspect and maybe not even qualified. So I just think these attacks on our religion are especially subversive and dangerous to our republic right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is really indicative of where we are now. And I think we've seen this shift too. And I think you've probably seen it shift since you were in Congress. And I know there are really good Democrats of deep faith. They're there. But more and more, the party seems to push them aside. And I don't understand it. Because as you watch this, this is emblematic of what happens in the abortion abortion issue because look at what we're talking about now. We're talking about a party that now pushes abortion up to the point of birth. And when you look at that, and my opponent voted for it three 
times. He voted three times to protect abortion to the point of birth, and he also voted one time, the only time he's had the chance to vote on it, to not provide life-saving measures for children born from botched abortions here. It's unconscionable, and you start seeing where we are here. And I know you see this too, Stephen. That is that you have a lot of well-meaning Democrats who look at their party now and say, this is not the party that I grew up with. It is no longer the party of some differences with Republicans, but yet there's still plenty of things we can agree on. Now this is a party that has swerved way outside the mainstream and is advocating things that are literally unrecognizable. Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment with U.S. Senate candidate Mark Ron Kenny on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. Let's get back to our interview with the chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce, and Mark Ronchetti, candidate for U.S. Senate. Mark Ronchetti's name is all over the state. I see the signs everywhere I go, and I've been pretty well everywhere in the state since January of this year. Feeling very strong about our opportunity in this Senate race. It's one that no one thought was going to be competitive, but uh, Mark has gotten in there and is competing well. We always want our listeners to know just a little bit about you. We play in a lot of the rural areas that maybe haven't got gotten to see you come into their county or maybe into their town. So talk a little bit about you, your family, your background, and your current family. Sure, absolutely. I actually came to New Mexico in 1998. And, you know, I didn't know anybody here. I had never been to New Mexico. And I got here and went to Channel 7. And I actually started as a reporter. And when I started out, within a few months, the news director at the time, Paul Shipley, came to me and said, hey, would you consider doing the weather? And I had taken some classes in the weather at Washington State where I went to college, but I didn't have a degree in it. And so I said, yeah, you know, I'll consider it. So I started doing the weather, doing weekend morning weather. So that's where you kind of put the people who don't have a lot of experience. And and I started doing that and reporting at the same time. And I fell in love with it. And so then I went to KOAT and I said, hey, will you pay for me to go to school to get my certification from the American Meteorological Society, which takes three years to do. And you go to school for a solid three years while you're working. And that's what I did. So I did both at the same time. And I I just fell in love with New Mexico. I love this state. I love what it's all about. And so when it came time to start a family, my wife, who I actually started in TV with way back in Grand Junction, Colorado, even before I got to New Mexico, we decided to start dating. And then she moved out here with me. And then we've loved it. And I have two daughters, Ava and Ella. And Ava is 13 and Ella just turned 12. And so we're raising them here. And we eventually got to the point in Chairman, I know you know this. There's one of two things to do when you see a state struggling that you love. You can sit there and wish it was better and provide for your own family and just walk away and do your own thing. Or you can stop and say, no, we have to do something different. If we continue to elect the same people that are doing the same things that are failing this state, we're never going to go anywhere. And so that was ultimately what we decided. And so when I sat down with my wife, we felt like as we talked back and forth, that God was opening a door for us to do the very best we could. And what we always say is efforts up to us and results 
results are up to him. And so we started this out in January and we pushed and pushed and went across the Republican primary. And the great thing about a Republican primary is, look, we make you work for it as a Republican. Like you go through the ringer and you should because it should matter and it does matter to people. And that process was a tough one, but a good one. And we got through that. And now we're into the general election. And now the differences between our vision, a conservative vision for the state, which I think most people share, and the vision that my opponent has, which is a vision of vote one way in D.C. and then talk a different way when you come to New Mexico, is just exactly what people can't stand about Washington. And so that's why we were so interested in getting in this race, because people deserve someone who goes to Washington and votes the way they talk in New Mexico. And the reality ends up being, and you did this for years when you were our CD2 congressman, and that is you represent the values of New Mexico and you bring those to Washington. You don't bring Washington back to New Mexico. And that's where I think there's a huge difference between my opponent and I. I uh, know Ben Ray Lujan well. I don't know that I would consider us friends, but we're associates. We work compatibly together in Congress. But I will tell you, when he took that national office, he became more about the National Party and less about New Mexico. And then he began to raise money nationwide. And that caused him to go to sleep on his constituents here in New Mexico. When I was traveling uh, during the gubernatorial race in the northern part of the state, I was constantly getting asked to do constituent services for him, for his constituents. I would tell him, you know, I've been ready to represent you. He really should be the one doing it. Well, he never has time for us. I heard that a lot. And I always told our staff, look, we represent New Mexico. I'm not going to draw a district line around us and ignore the other two districts. So we did a lot of work in Ben Ray's district. Down south, they've never warmed up to his particular brand of liberalism. The south is heavily Democrat registration, but they're also conservative Democrats. And if we have a candidate like yourself that will differentiate themselves, not try to be Democrat light, but truly conservative, they listen and they will vote for you that way. I think that's the reason that you're performing so well on the polls is that you do declare your values. Talk a little bit about your faith. Our very first ad in the general election was our values are under attack because I think they are. And when you look at your faith, to me, it's the centerpiece of who I am. That comes before anything else. And sometimes people look at me and they kind of go, whoa, even before your family. Absolutely. Because if I am in the right place in my faith, I'm going to be in the right place for my family. And so to me, that's so important. And I think in this state, that's something we share. And you mentioned it, Steve. I mean, when, when you talk about and you go around to people in different districts, even in districts where there are more Democrats than there are Republicans, we share a lot of the same values. And that's what this is about. This is about those values of family, about faith, about your personal rights. And when you see what happens in Washington, you see what happens with Congressman Lujan, I think that's what people look at him and say, what's happened here? Where is he gone? And I think you make a very good point. I think when you start to climb the ladder in D.C., the problem is you can succeed in doing that. The problem is you leave behind the people that absolutely brought you there in the first place. And so that's part of what we tried to bring to this race. And that is, I wear my faith on my sleeve. There's no question about that. And I always will. And I think that too often God is being squeezed out of what we try to do in this country in favor of government. And government will never replace God. Never. And I think we make a real mistake when we do that. Now, there's obviously a separation between church and state, but faith is what builds so many families in this state. And that's something I very firmly believe in. Mark, you got any closing thoughts you want people to think about as you... Yeah, I I want to say one thing, and I think you really exemplify this as much as anyone that's ever served in this state, and that is, can you imagine being the type of leader who has to change the way they speak when they come back home because their values don't match their state? To me, that is abhorrent, and I think it's sad. I'll guarantee you this. 
that I will not be the kind of senator who will vote one way in Washington and come back here and talk to you in a different way. You deserve people to level with you. We always talk about trust in institutions and trust in your leaders. Well, part of trust in your leaders is knowing that they mean what they say and they say what they mean. And they're not one way in D.C. and they're another way here. That's something you were always very good at, Congressman, which is you knew where you stood and that was it. And if people disagreed with you, fine, but they knew where you stood. And the person I'm running against tries to play this two different people deal, which absolutely doesn't serve the people of this state well. So I think people deserve a voice. They deserve someone who they can depend on, who will come in and tell them exactly how it is. And look, we can disagree back and forth, but you're never going to have to wonder where my allegiance lies. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And uh, just as I finish up on that thought that you just brought in front of us, if you're going to be the same in Washington as you are here, for a small state, it makes it very difficult to climb that corporate ladder in D.C. because you've got to pay attention to your constituents. This state is 32, 31 percent Republican statewide. In order to win, you have to be paying attention constantly to the Democrats and the independents. Yep. And that means you've got to be explaining. I never found much disagreement with my positions. People would say, we don't agree with you on much, but we're voting for you because you are who you say you are. And that's what I think is required in these states that are, are pretty heavy blue. And for a Republican to represent them, that's what they expect. And it just told me always that I could not run for national party leader in any fashion. I just need to take care of the state. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And one of the reasons I think you're just a stellar candidate and one that is going to represent us well. Well, best of luck to you in the upcoming election. God bless you and uh, keep your family safe and healthy. And remember the values that you represent before you go to the Senate are truly the values you want to represent after you get in the Senate. So God bless you. Thank you, uh, Mark. Always good talking to you. Thanks, Mr. Chairman. God bless you as well. We'll be right back with more Inside New Mexico. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pearson. Steve, I guess when some people can't win on their values, they need to tear down signs and even shoot horses of the people they disagree with. Yeah, it's amazing. We've seen an unprecedented amount of destruction of signs. I have people coming in all over the state going into the Trump headquarters and getting new signs because theirs have been stolen or torn up. But it reached a new low this week. We've got a family up north of Springer, about five miles. They just raise horses and sell them. It has become a therapy for the husband. He has had some difficulties and dealing with those horses really has been therapeutic for him. And someone saw the Trump signs on the fence, pulled over, saw that young horse that they were training out in the pasture, shot and killed him. That is just unprecedented in even New Mexico politics. But then you have that group of people in Santa Fe, the rioters who pitched chains around that obelisk. I think it was 150 plus years old. Uh, has been just a mainstay.
mainstay of the Santa Fe culture. And so they pulled on that with chains and ropes and pulled that down. Now, the police walked away from it and just let them have free reign. They basically ceded that plaza over to the rioters and the looters, the people causing destruction. The Santa Fe New Mexican, which very rarely comes out on any conservative side of any issue, said that Mayor Weber and the police chief have no business serving any longer, that they've lost their credibility, that they have let the mob rule that area, and that they have just proven themselves unworthy of the offices they're holding. And that's my belief completely. You know, the past is the past. We're not going to remake it. It's only in socialist societies where they try to redefine that past. They want to take away people's memory of what has gone on, uh, either for the good or for the bad. And then they will redefine the country and the society as they see fit. And that's what you have going on here. Shame on the city of Santa Fe. Shame on the mayor, Mayor Weber. And shame on the police chief for abdicating his responsibility to maintain law and order in that town. And people are getting the idea. San Francisco is a good example where people are voting with their feet. They're leaving in droves. They get all the drug paraphernalia that's laying in the street. They got the homeless. They got people who are defecating in the streets or urinating in the streets. It's become a total mess. They can't get all the trash picked up. They've cut funding to the police department. The city is becoming a pit and no one wants to live there. To tell you how many people have left in the last month, the rent in San Francisco proper has dropped by 31%. That tells you that at least a third of the people who used to rent downtown are now gone. They're probably never gonna come back. Same thing is happening in New York City. Same thing in all of those big blue cities where the police are being defunded, where chaos is reigning, to where they can't pick up the trash, they can't do the fundamental services of a city government where people feel unsafe. And so you have people leaving those blue areas. now. The proposition is that they're going to get out and they're going to move to Texas, Arizona, Oklahoma, where they're moving to, and that they're somehow going to vote to make the new place exactly like the place they're leaving. I don't think so. I think people are going to be reevaluating their principles and their long-held beliefs in a way that they've never done before. But interesting to see these showcases of the American culture just being devastated by mob rule and seeing that happen in Santa Fe again. It's not going to be long till people start moving out to Santa Fe. Sometimes life experience can change your political view. Yeah, changing your political view brings up an important point. Last week, Joe Biden was in, I think, Pennsylvania and talking to those people in the oil and gas industry, those union members, and he declared that he had been endorsed by that union in which the oil and gas industry is so key to having jobs for those union members. They corrected him immediately and said, no, we have not endorsed you. In fact, it's President Trump that is going to support the oil and gas industry. That's the same thing here in New Mexico. We just don't have those big unions here where you have the two sides playing for their vote. But President Trump is totally committed to a strong energy economy toward creating jobs. He'll create those jobs in New Mexico as well as Pennsylvania and every other state that deals with the energy industry. You didn't hear Mr. Biden in the town hall, I guess, where he said after saying he was opposed to fracking multiple times in the town hall, he said, oh, no, I'm good with fracking. So what do you yeah, we man. don't know what to believe. Yeah, you know what to believe. You can believe that he will say whatever he's going to say, depending on who he's in front of. But he is committed to the left. He is committed, and they are going to insist that he dismantle the oil and gas industry the same as they've dismantled the timber industry, and then even more recently, the coal industry. So if we think that the left will not 
not succeed in tearing down our oil and gas economy, those jobs in the oil and gas fields understand other industries have thought that, other states have thought that Joe Biden will devastate New Mexico's economy when he tears up fracking and the oil and gas industry. Gas is about $2 a gallon at the pump right now. Why is that? That's because the industry is working well. If they shut off all new drilling for oil and gas in this country, I will guarantee you the price of gasoline is going to go up back into the $4 range. Across the world, they pay sometimes up to $10 a gallon for gasoline. That's what we'll be faced with. You talk about a hardship on the middle class. Having that oil and gas industry shut down is going to be a hardship on the middle class. You know, we had an important visit last week, Derek. Attorney General Barr came into New Mexico to review the Operation Legend and basically he gives a very favorable report. You know that the accused killer of Jackie V. Hill in her middle-class Albuquerque driveway, she was there in her car about to go to her workout early in the morning. This guy comes up and shoots her through the window, kills her there. Her husband put out a video under the Republican Party link this last week. It was stunning to watch his description of his wife, of her dreams, her ambitions, of the success that she had. And to have her gun down there in Albuquerque was unconscious. But then having Operation Legend actually track him down in Texas where he had run to, he had been deported three times, still had been allowed to come back in illegally and then uh, gunned down Jackie V. Hill at her home in Albuquerque. But, you know, I noticed another article that didn't get much dissemination last week, but one of the accomplices, one of the people who are suspected in working in that murder, he was actually turned loose last week. And so, again, I have a simple message to people who get angry about the way that criminals are coddled here. If you want a crime to be different in New Mexico, you're going to have to vote Republican judges. You're going to have to put people in who believe that law and order are very key to the stability of the country. And the stability of the country gives us stable lives where things are predictable and we can know that our kids are going to be safe walking to schools. So that's what's at stake in this coming election. If you're tired of the way things are in New Mexico, you're just going to have to vote red. You're going to have to vote for Donald Trump, Mark Ronchetti, who we just enjoyed listening to in that middle segment, and for Republicans up and down the ballot. We have great candidates that are making serious runs all across the state, some in heavy blue areas that we've never been competitive before, but we've got a good candidate. They're strong on message. We've done the work to get them out. Now then, we just have to be sure as a Republican Party of New Mexico that everybody's vote counts, but it's only counted once. And those ballots that are turned in illegally or without uh, any voter behind them, people just filling out paperwork, and we've already found instances of that in New Mexico, those are ballot security questions. The Republican Party of New Mexico is fighting a better fight in that arena than we've ever fought. So this is the time. Let's turn to Mexico red. Derek, great show today. Thank you, Steve. And if our listeners would like to keep up with what's going on at the Republican Party, check out the website. It's www.gopnm.org. The party also has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. We'd like to remind our listeners that the Republican Party is always looking for volunteers to help them with their mission to win New Mexico for President Trump and to turn the roundhouse red. You can call party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We'll look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.